I really love this portion of scripture. This is one of those portions of scripture that it's almost like you don't read slowly or carefully. You just kind of blah, 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 blah. There's some names, uh, personal place name. I'm so pretty, blah, 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 backstory. And, uh, and this is actually so much more than that. And then I really going to, uh, my goal is to develop these six particular entities, so to speak, and to ask, which one are you? And to see how we can all be what God calls us to be in this. So read along. We pick it up in verse 10. Oh, by the way, Lauren, I guess that would warn you. That means next week we'll need to have all of 2 Corinthians. Thank you. You're awesome, Lauren. Thank you. What a girl. I'm telling you, she's been, she's been so going for it these days. I can't wrap it. I, mean, I get emails like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to start wrapping my head around what she's saying. It's beautiful. Verse 10 says, Now if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, because I'm waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, Oh, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Oh, I love that verse. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. Oh, I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge such men. The churches in Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you hardly in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. In other words, all my buddies say, hey, greet one another with a holy kiss. And might I just make clear to this, in those days, that was the way family greeted each other. That does not mean make out when you meet someone at the door. That's not a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lord, let your word now burst open. Lord, may we have so much fun in your word. Take this time now, Lord, and develop it beautifully. Let us all be captivated, drawn in, so blessed, so encouraged, so properly challenged. Have your way now, Lord, we pray. And I thank you for the blessing of this time. So, Lord, we commit it to you. I pray you immerse me in your Holy Spirit that you would do through me what I cannot humanly do. And Lord, in that, please, please glorify yourself. And Lord, perform the ministry you want to do. Lord, for those that need that touch of you for healing tonight, Lord, 
You know who needs to be healed and who you want to carry. Show yourself strong. I just love you, Lord. I love you so much, and I thank you. Bless this time, Lord. May we all be filled with your joy as we study your word now, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I would say tonight as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible be your final say. Well, it's the end of the letter, and at the end of the letter, we get into these sort of personal people, personal names, personal situations. And I love this because what we have really are, in essence, six different characters or groups. And each one has its own personality. And each one, by the way, Paul has some form of exhortation to or about. And I like that. And my challenge to you is to find out which one of these you identify with tonight. Because in every group, you're going to find a Timothy. In every group, you're going to find an Apollos. In every group, you're going to find a Stephanus in his household. You're going to find out three amigos like the Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, the buddies and what they do. You're going to find a Priscilla and Aquila in every fellowship. God willing. And you're going to find a Paul. My prayer is that God would lead us to the greater qualities of every one of these people. So follow it with me, if you would, please. And, and take a look at these with me. Again, six different ones. And I want to ask at the end, if I could, which one you feel like you're the most like. Here's the first. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he be with you without fear. Well, he does the work of the Lord, as I also do. Therefore, don't despise him. And this is such a strange statement. Don't despise him. The term for despise, by the way, for what it's worth, exutheneho, it means to be least esteemed. In other words, don't look down on the guy. Don't berate the guy. Don't, like, think you're better than he is. That's the term that's used here for despise. What do we know about Timothy? And here's our first of them. Our first of the six is Timothy the fearful. If you read it, I had the privilege. I mean, it's like I get to, when I have these moments, I get to sit out in the sun in my back garden. Sometimes even, well, anyways, we'll go there. um, And I get to sit there with my Bible and just read. Not to teach, just to be with the Lord. I love those moments. So I've been, and, and, and in all those, I'll be like, you know, I'm just going to read through the Timothys. I'm reading through the Timothys. And, and I was just struck again by Paul's relationship with this guy. He's mentioned by, for what it's worth, 24 times. In 20, he's, he's mentioned by name in 24 verses. Two letters are written to him, right? First and second Timothy. He is called true son in the faith in first Timothy 1, 2. He's called my son, Paul calls him in, in First Timothy or Second Timothy two one. He's called a beloved son in Second Timothy one two. He's called son Timothy in First Timothy one eighteen. So that means at least four different times he's called Paul's son in the faith. Now understand, Paul's relationship to Timothy's was not one where Paul actually lived his whole life dragging Timothy around, but he did take him around. Timothy, we read, by the way, was raised by two godly women, a mother and a grandmother, Lois and Eunice. 
We read that in 2 Timothy. We read that from his youth, he was actually taught the scriptures. So this was a boy raised in a good religious home. He lived, by the way, he was, for what it's worth, he was raised in the center of Turkey. And as he was raised in the center of Turkey, Paul went through there on his first missionary journey, got beat within inches of his life, dragged out, stone left for dead. And that was where Paul, where Timothy was. He was just a kid. The, the new believers gather around Paul. They pray for him. And Paul is, whether he's resurrected or just made better or he just gets up, one way or another you can argue over that if you want to. But then Paul goes back into the business. By the second time Paul is going through town, he scoops up Timothy en route. And Timothy becomes his apprentice. And can I say, as we grow in Christ, everybody needs a Timothy. As we start in Christ, everybody needs to be a Timothy. Timothy, by the way, means precious. My precious. Now listen, ladies. I don't know what the female version of Timothy is. Timoth- uh, Timothina, whatever. But every lady needs to be a Timothina when they start and to grab a Timothina when they get older. Because you notice Paul doesn't seem to grab gals and make them his apprentices. So please hear me. Don't disqualify yourself from this. A healthy church, women should grow and raise up women that grow. But what I learned is, is that Timothy, for the most part, got recruited into ministry through Paul. We don't read that he had anything, but I tell you in regards to any ministry prior to that point, but this kid was reluctant when it comes to that. In 2 Timothy 1.4, Paul says that he greatly desired to see, to see Timothy being mindful of his tears. In 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, I remind you, stir up the gift of God. And the next verse he says, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now understand, he seems to be a kid who's really trying to evaluate whether he's really called to ministry or not. And he is freaking out. And, and understand, part of it may be because he's young. In 1 Timothy 4.12, one of my favorite verses, for this Paul says, Let no one despise, there's our word again, despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and in purity. I like that. In other words, hey, you don't have to be old to be an example. A new believer can be a great example. And let me read that list again. In word, in what you say. Not the word, but in word, in what you say. In conduct, how you act. In love, how you're selfless. In spirit, how furtive you are. How, how much of you is really in it. In faith, how much you trust. And in purity. Be an example, beloved. Until I come, give attention to the reading and to exhortation and doctrine. I'll tell you, that's the red ministry right there. Remember Bruno's shirt when you think of it. Red, reading, exhortation, and doctrine. It's pink? Okay, well, there you go. But it's, let's pretend it's red. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. By 2 Timothy, he would say in 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, yourself to Timothy, approved to God, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hey, there are people, by the way, the fact that he says a worker who need not be ashamed kind of leads me to believe that there are some workers who need to be ashamed. 
And why? Because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They're doing the opposite. They're unrightly dividing the word of truth. It's actually a seeming term, by the way. Remember how Paul made tense. And it's a, it's a term like that with properly seeming words together is the idea. I mean, if you take two things and it's not properly seemed on a tent, you know what you have? You have a very wet place to sleep. A good seam is an important thing. And the same thing with Scripture. You want an airtight seam. You want to put Scripture, the right Scripture, with the right situation. It isn't like I'm having a rough time, so I'm just going to quote a verse and scream, Jesus wept 25 times as you run through the room. Find the Scripture that's appropriate for your situation. So this Timothy was one who was afraid, who was young, and was constantly debating on whether, I mean, he constantly needed encouragement to do the ministry that he was called to. And he says, hey, you know this ministry. This was the ministry that people within the church, these were elders, they laid hands on you when they prophesied. I mean, you had all kinds of really great prophecies spoken about you, boy. Now, I want to see you get about it. Which tells me that the Paul in the Paul and Timothy relationship is somebody who perhaps does the job of saying, doesn't make you do it, but because constantly they're irritating you to get busy with what God's called you to do. Which means if you're one of those people, welcome to the wonderful world of being irritating through the Holy Spirit if you do it right. Welcome to the world of being a big jerk if it isn't right. But you want to see people do things. Now understand, it seems to me that the difference isn't, or the difference is, that Paul is not trying to see somebody get busy because he needs a job filled in a church. He's getting busy. He wants to see somebody get busy because he loves the guy. And there's the difference. And please hear me. I know that feeling. I, you know, it's like, it's like, let's face it. A lot of, we're not in a position where we need a tremendous amount of workers, but it sure is great to have them. But the reason we love to have them is because we love to see <coughs> we love to see people just doing things faithfully for the Lord. Do you know there's a guy who collects all of our messages and gets them on the website? No applause for it. But he does it day in and day out. The guy is, this is what he does. How beautiful is that? There are people who set up the tea table every week that are responsible for getting that tea table. Do you know how much money is spent on food to feed people out on our Sunday afternoons? It's amazing we ever get lunch somewhere. Because that is their heart's desire. But what they do, they do it in spirit. They do it well. I love the fact that they're faithful to that. There are people who you know at the end of things, after six hours of not only going to church, but hanging out afterwards, grab a broom and sweep up and clean up after all of the people that went oops and walked away from this space so someone else could clean it up later. But they never complain about that stuff. You know why? Because they do it for the Lord, not for the church. Isn't that beautiful? And I love the fact that God calls us to be people who make Timothys, who are a Timothy, who love Timothys. But this is the difference. It's got to be someone that somehow chooses to, to go with you. What I've learned is there are some people that they really want to make Timothys out of people that they don't even really know. They just like them. They seem like they're nice people. They're really growing and it's their turn to jump in it. But unless that person chooses to go with you, they're really, you're not going to really have the influence that you really want to have. And when Paul was heading out, he was already busy doing things. Timothy just went with him. He invited him and Timothy went with him. And that wasn't like, okay, you want to join me on this? Let's do this. Oh, let it be so with you. 
Go out there and reach out to people and see who will follow you as you follow Christ. But maybe tonight you're Timothy the Fearful. You're the person that's like, I don't know. Now, we don't even read whether Timothy like didn't think he was called to the ministry or he was just afraid to do it. But somewhere down the line, we do read that Paul is constantly reminding that God has not given him a spirit of fear and not to fear, but to rather to have courage and to be strong. So it seems like one thing's for sure. Timothy is definitely dealing with fear one way or the other. And is that you tonight? Well, there's some advice. Here's our advice to the rest of the fellowship for the Timothys. Don't despise them. Don't look down on them just because they're afraid. Isn't that tender for a guy like Paul to say that? But listen, send him on his journey in peace. Because I'm waiting for him and I'd really like to see him. That tells me something. It tells me that it seems to me that Timothy has shown up in Corinth and he's outstaying his welcome. Paul is like, I'm calling you. I need you here in Ephesus. And Timothy's like, "Uh, let's just pretend like I didn't hear that. He's like, look, send the guy on his way. So the nicest term I think we could use for Timothy in this particular moment is the fearful. He might be the stubborn or the sluggish or whatever. But in the end of it all, fear is definitely a factor. And maybe fear will make you sluggish. And fear certainly doesn't give you a volunteer spirit, does it? doesn't be like, oh, here I am, send me. What are you afraid of? Failing? How could you possibly fail in Christ? You share and somebody doesn't receive the Lord? How did you fail? She's there talking to someone and they ask you a question and you don't have the answer. Do you really think you failed? Did you go there trying to prove to them that you're the smartest human being on the planet and you have every answer? You have the answer. Isn't that the point? So when they want to argue over other things... Ask them questions in return. See how they do. Who was in the German game in seat number 45B watching? What was his name? Oh, I don't know. Well, because it doesn't have any pertinence to life, as I'm aware, unless it was your mom or something. But chances are, as there's so many questions you can ask, you can't answer. Why does light bend in a black hole, but it actually has no mass? I don't know. Well, then you apparently must not be a good atheist. Really? But that's how they play with us. You have the answer, beloved. So stop being afraid. The only failure, by the way, is disobedience. The only real success is obedience. The rest is his. So are you the Timothy? Well, let's go to the next person. Verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos. What do we know about Apollos? In Acts 18.24, we read that he was a certain Jew. He was born in Alexandria. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. And he came to Ephesus. Alexandria of the day would be a person from Oxford or from Cambridge. It all depends. And I don't want to split that because people fight over that one too. But there's sort of certain places that if you've come from, people just assume you're smart. Alexandria was the place of the day. Alexandria was the place where they had a library that had every known book on the planet translated into Greek. That's how we get the Septuagint or the Greek copy of the Old Testament was from that order. 
So imagine every known writing available to man in a single library, the largest in the world, in Alexandria. Alexandria became the birth of the Gnostics, the people that were thought they were too smart to just believe in a simple gospel. Hey, a verse that really hit me as I was reading. Paul is concerned about the Corinthians. We'll get there in 2 Corinthians. He says, I'm concerned that you've been led away from the simplicity of Christ. Oh, I love that. It's like, how tempting is it to be led away? Because Jesus is very simple for good reason. Infinitely complex, but simple to us because that's what we need. Now, this guy was a brilliant man and he was gifted in his speech. Oh, this man could really talk up a house. He could whoop up a crowd. And man, when this guy spoke, people listened. He was a gifted orator, eloquent and mighty in the scriptures. But he only knew the gospel or the baptism of John, which was a baptism of repentance. And it was a couple that pulled him aside named Priscilla and Aquila. We'll meet them here again in a moment. That pull him aside and teach him the way of the truth more accurately. And then he heads off. He heads off actually to this place here, First Corinthians, to Corinth. To kind of go and be a little bit anonymous, assumedly, and get himself right. In First Corinthians chapter 3, so this guy had been a part of this church, this Apollos. This super gifted, super charismatic, expialidocious, eloquent man. And he had been a part of the church, and apparently he was quite a predominant part of the church, because in 1 Corinthians 3, when Paul talked about the divisions, he says, some say, I'm of Paul, and others say, I'm of Apollos. So there were some that were of the Apollos camp, and there were some that were of the Paul camp. That tells you something, doesn't it? Now, it's interesting by the time he speaks to Titus in Titus 3.13, he'll say, Send Zeus, Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey with haste that they may lack nothing, which tells me that even lawyers can be saved. That's important to note. There's one right there. There's two. That's right. Amen, sister. And here we read again that look who he's hanging out with. What we read in our text here is, I strongly urge him to come to you. Now, understand, let's get this. Let's say that, that I'm off somewhere for a couple months on some crazy event and all of a sudden the church divides and somebody else comes in during that time and just is a really gifted speaker. Let's say it's a Lucas. And I start hearing that some say, I'm of Pastor Anthony, and some say, well, I'm of Lucas. And then Lucas heads off on some speaking tour because he just wrote a book about how gifted he is. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, people are dividing over this. And I, and I, and I text or I email you know, Lucas, and I'm like, hey, people are actually saying some are of you and some are of me. Don't you find that stupid? Why don't we both go there and talk to them together? Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? This is what he said. I, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. Now that is so, can I pardon me, pardon me for saying, but that is so gloriously British. I strongly urged him to come to you. Do you know what that means? Apollos, come! Go there now. No, no, no. Come on, go there. How do you strongly urge someone? You are pushing them hard. But Apollos was unbending. But listen to this cheeky statement he says at the end. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. 
And I wonder if Paul's throwing a little jab in there in all of this. I'm sorry, at the moment, it was a little inconvenient for him to come visit you. I kind of get the idea that Paul was a bit frustrated. And here's our second person. And I pray this is none of you, and I pray it isn't me. And that's Apollos the unwilling. Now, in the end of it all, if I put these two statements together, what I get is you won't do anything for the Lord unless it's convenient. Is that you? Oh, this cost me time, money, effort. Oh, my goodness, I have to take two more stops on the train. Oh, are you serious? <coughs> I might have to carry that bag up a flight of steps. Oh, no, I may have to get there a half hour early. Is it really the case? Do you realize the more that we groan about those silly little things, the more we become like Apollos here? Oh, he'll come when it's convenient. He just won't come now because it's not convenient enough for him. No matter how much I, I urged him, no matter how strongly I urged him, he was not willing to come. And I wonder why after that Paul gives these statements now, when these are the only real commands right to the people per se, right here, and there are four of them. Actually, five with verse 14. But first of all, which of the two of them would you rather be a Timothy or an Apollos so far? I mean, when I thought, well, gosh, fearful, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Then I read Apollos and I'm like, well, of the two, I'd rather be Timothy. Watch. Be attentive. Stand fast. And the word, by the way, means to be stationary, to persevere, to be unmoving, listen, in the faith. When we read, by the way, in First Peter, which is where we'll be tomorrow afternoon, you're probably aware of the fact, right? We have studies on Tuesday, Wednesday, and then a couple on Thursday as well. Um, Thursday afternoon, you're welcome to come to any of them. Uh, and, and the one tomorrow afternoon, an angel talks about where it says, stand fast because the devil walks, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. But it says then, resist him steadfast in the faith. Do you realize what he's trying to devour? Your faith. See, because if you don't trust God, you're really going to be of no real damage to the kingdom of hell. It's your trust that's, that, hinges, that hinges every single great thing that God's going to do in your life. It opens your hands to receive what he wants to give you. It opens your feet, frees your feet to follow him. It opens your mouth to speak what he would call you to say. So listen, I want you to be alert I want you to be unmoving when it comes to our stationary, persevering in your faith. I want you to be brave. And by the way, I do love this word. The word is andritsumai. And the word means be manly. That's what it means. And apparently, we translate that as brave. But I remind you, he's speaking to Timothy. Act like a man. And I get this, because he's fearful. He's afraid. So he's like, listen, be attentive. Don't move in your faith. Be persevering in it. And be manly. Come on, be brave. Stand up on this thing. So some people are going to come against you. Someone's going to make fun of you. People are going to put ads on the sides of buses and talk about how dumb you are because you believe in Jesus. So, so what? Is there anyone who loves you enough to say, so what? When this whole thing burns down and all that's left is eternity, it's not going to matter anymore. 
So that guy might not go out with you or that girl might not go out with you. So you might not get the job. But who's the one who's supposed to bring you your mate? Who's the one who's supposed to give you the job anyways? So some people might point and laugh, so they might make jokes. So the TV might make all kinds of left-handed comments about you. So what? In the sight of eternity, it's silly. Welcome to the Team Jesus. And with Team Jesus, expect opponents, or there's no reason to be a team. But I want to remind you, our coach is the undefeated heavyweight champion of the universe. And that's who you're following. And he doesn't need a bunch of manby-pamby sissies following him and saying that we're acting like him. And so we start to talk about how desperate our faith is because somebody gave us a cross look while our friends are being burned alive in India. There are men out there that deserve to wear the colors. I want to deserve to wear the colors. I don't want to be somebody that cowers when I hear something and it isn't even gunfire, per se. And he goes, listen, if we're going to be Team Jesus, we're going to have to buck up. We put on those cleats for a reason. We put on those pads for a reason. We put on that helmet for a reason or whatever it is. We put on the protection for a reason. And we get ourselves into shape for a reason. We learn to become a team for a reason. And we have a goal for a reason. And that goal is going to have resistance. But if we are the team God called us to be and we follow the leader and it's Him, then we're going to get every bit of the win that God had already promised us. We're already more than conquerors. Do I have to remind you. And so I'm sitting here in the locker room with you and with me, and he's saying, now be alert. Now what sport wouldn't you need that in? Go ahead and just blind yourself. I'm sure that will help. Be intoxicated. Be dumb. Stamp as, oh, be man, be pampy. Don't really worry about the playbook. Make it up as you go along. And don't really trust your leader. Take matters into your own hands. That always works out really well. Read scripture. It always, you know, of course I'm being facetious. Be brave. And then I love the last thing is that be strong. Now listen, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, if the young man is strong, Because the word of God lives in them and they've overcome the wicked one because the word of God lives in them and they're strong now. Then be strong. Be strong in the power of his spirit. Be strong in the truth of his word. Be strong in your trust in your God. And let's win this. Timothy's, it's time to be alert. Timothy's. It's time to be unmoving in our faith. And so if the entire Church of England decides to vote on something, but it's against Scripture, I'm not bending on it. And if they make something illegal that Scripture demands otherwise, well, then I'm not bending on it. Somebody has to be unbending. And can I say as a, as a volunteer Paul, be unbending with me. They'll say, well, that's really close-minded. Yes, but it's true. And it is amazing. You know, 25 years ago, let's go younger than that, 10 years ago, 
It seemed like every person I was sharing with about how we would do missionary work all over the world told us, so you're going to go into the world and impose your value system on it. Is that what you're doing? You're going to try to make them Western? No, I'm trying to give them Jesus. Oh, well, that's Western. Now we're going into all of these other places and telling them, for instance, that they can't outlaw homosexuality because we disagree with that. Now, we not as the church, but we as a culture. Isn't that the same thing? We're going somewhere and trying to make them adhere to our value system or their value system. And the reason I say that is the people that are going to crawl in your face are just as close-minded as you are, just as judgmental or more than you are. And here's my favorite when they say you're self-righteous. You realize we're the only people on the planet that aren't. We are Jesus-righteous. Jesus made me right with God. How about you? Jesus died on the cross because I wasn't right with God because I was sick and filthy in my sin. And he died on the cross for my sins and yours, was buried and three days later rose again, just like Scripture promised, and gave me a brand new life. He did it all. Everything else is how many times you pray, how many times you give, how good of a person you are. Isn't that self-righteous? We are the unself-righteous people in the world. Oh, I'm right. I'm good. Why? Because I recycle and I pet puppies and I do. That's still self-righteous. So stand fast, beloved. Don't give up any ground. Now understand, don't give up any ground because we're supposed to be taking it. We're not supposed to be giving up ground. We're supposed to be moving forward. You're like, but the church has voted. Not this church. This church, by the way, I want you to know, is not a, a despotism. It is not a tyranny. It is a monarchy. And our monarchy has one king. And that king has already laid out his law and he's not changing it. And I am submitting to his law. Praise God. And so the world can take a vote. And as scripture says, let all men be a liar and God be true. Do you know what that means? Even if the whole world votes, they're still all liars of God if they're against what God says. God doesn't change truth. If the whole world took a vote and decided there was no gravity on the earth, don't jump from your roof. Okay, I should get off my soapbox. We've got more to cover. So we've got our first two guys. Timothy the fearful, Apollos the unwilling. Let's get into some fun guys here as well. Verse 15, I urge you, brothers. Oh, you know the household of Stephanus. That is the first fruits of Achaia. Remember, that's Greece. That means this guy's probably Greek. Because look at his name. And that they have, by the way, his name means crown. And that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Oh, it's the third. Stephanus the devoted or Stephanus the servant. Are you this guy? But did you notice, first of all, that Stephanus first took it home? His whole household was in agreement on this. Can I, can I brag on my wife? It is such a sweet thing to see this woman serve people. Our house has become, pardon me for saying, the Holiday Inn. A couple just left a day or two ago. Another couple's coming in tonight. I'm at the point now where we think we have to put something on the wall because I'm like, who's staying at our house? I hear snoring. And I just love the fact that as far as our household's concerned, it's like, look at people need, people are in need. Let's serve them. But you realize the first people we're quick to serve is you guys? You guys really do get to the front of the queue. You're aware of that, don't you? So listen. This guy, I love what it says. 
They devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Did you notice it doesn't just say they served blind people or, or lame people or homeless people? They wanted to make sure first and foremost that the saints were served. Is that you? Is that you in your household? That you are the devoted, the servant? Because there is this. And my prayer is that we would all find us the fondness in us. You know what I'm saying? Let's look at the next. I'm so thirsty. Verse 16, it says, you know what we do with those people? We submit to them. That's what we're supposed to do. When you see someone in their household serving the Lord, submit to them. Because they're doing the Lord's work. Now, why would you need to submit to a guy that's serving like this? Because chances are they're going to need some help. They might say, hey, we're trying to serve these people, but we're going to need some things. Does anyone want to help us with these things? It's like, submit to that. If you have the ability, help with that. And there's several things we get involved in. This weekend, Project Dance, for instance. It's something that we didn't start. We've been able to, by the way, the Lord through Project Dance has allowed us to meet a lot of the people who are now coming to our fellowship. That's not the reason we went there. We went there to serve people. We went there to serve the saints. But as we did, the Lord connected us with people that were of kindred mind. And I love that. They were of kindred spirit. But when those kind of things happen, there's always needs for a helping hand somewhere and all of that. You're serving somebody. I tell you what, if the Pachonas family were still here in this area, even though they would be two hours away from us by train, we would probably be cooking them meals and getting them down there. Okay, so we're not going to fly them to Florida. That we're not going to do. But be aware of that just in case. All right. So we have, and we're halfway there, right? We have Timothy the fearful, Apollos the unwilling, and Stephanus the devoted or the servant. Oh, this one really makes me smile. Look at verse 17. And I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus. I'm assuming the same guy, by the way. Fortunatus and Achaicus. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. And they refreshed my spirit and yours. Now, you know what I want you to do with them? I want you to acknowledge them. I want you to actually give them your, your attention. Give them some respect. Give them some props, buddies. Now, listen. These are like the three amigos. This is the only time we really kind of have them listed, kind of here in regards to the fact that they brought the letter. But I do kind of love what they did. You know what they did? They as a group refreshed. Did you see that? First of all, the church hadn't given. The first of the church of Corinth hadn't given. And they came and brought. Now, Paul, remember, Paul was in ministry. He was traveling. He needed money for that. And he was trying to get money to go and help the ailing church in Judea. And these guys came and helped with that. They came and helped sponsor them. One of the things they did was they helped support them. Now, I don't know whether they got it from other places or whether they pulled it out of their own coffers. But one way or another, they actually brought money to help with this guy in his ministry. That's Paul is very thankful for that. But he also, they, they refreshed him in other ways as well. Because it says they refreshed my spirit. Could you imagine, guys, if this is what happened when we got together? They said, hey, you know what? Let's become the three amigos like this. And I love the fact that he didn't point out an individual with this, but this was a group now. What if, ladies, three or four of you, you know, you hung out normally. You're like, you know what? How can we refresh somebody tonight? How could we become refreshers? And that's what this is. The three amigos, the refreshers. Hey, you know, you know what that could be? That could be a new mother that needs somebody to watch their baby for a little bit so they could do something they haven't really done in a while and that slept. That could be somebody that's dealing with a great illness and what they really need is somebody to come and actually clean their house. And listen, guys, that's not a woman's thing. That's a Christian thing. 
Now, granted, maybe we would actually break something if we use the vacuum and we'd try to suck someone else's face with it, but we should try to be disciplined and try to be careful. But what if that's what we did? We found somebody who was older that really couldn't tend to things like they, like we, you know, and granted, if somebody's like that, they might be lonely. And so what they may need, to be honest, is just somebody that's willing to listen to them for three hours while somebody else pulls weeds out of their back garden. But what if we did that? And we sought the need. But notice, by the way, I love again the fact that this was not an individual. This was a group. Because usually why we don't like to do this is we get overwhelmed because we feel like it's our responsibility. But if we were as a group, we're like, you know what? Me and a couple boys, we decided today what we're going to actually do is we're going to find somebody to refresh. Could you imagine what would happen? Wouldn't that be the coolest thing ever? And they went, you know what? Those guys, I don't get it. It's like when those guys get together, they don't just watch football or they don't just play football or they don't just beat each other with this or whatever. And not that those things are bad. Well, beating each other, well, it all depends. But where they actually said, you know what, we're going to do more than that with our time. Let's get together and let's do something really cool. Let's go find someone to refresh. So who's tired? So let's just do this. See if you're willing to be this transparent. How many of you are new here, just because of the life you've been living lately, you're just tired? Raise your hand. Go ahead. If you have enough strength, go ahead and raise your hand. Come on, don't be afraid. Let's take a look around. So now you have a few targets, don't you, three amigos? You have some targets. Now, who knows what that means? Hey, look at a couple that's raising a couple kids. Maybe what they need is somebody to play with their kids for a night so they can go out on a date. Wouldn't that be crazy? You want to watch a, a, a wife cry? Do something like that. Now, don't do that to make them cry. The idea is that they would be so thankful. That's the point. I mean, you know, those are the kind of things. It's amazing what you can do. And sometimes it's the little thing that makes the biggest difference. You know, it's a ride somewhere sometimes, or it's a, whatever it is, it's a card, or it's a, just something. I mean, you know, it's, I remember going into one of the, the coffee shops up in um, High Barnet, and the, and the entire crew that day was just bumming. They were just so overwhelmed. And I had a little bit of extra time, so I went to the Spires, and I picked up a bunch of balloons, of all things, and gave each one of them one of those helium balloons. It just changed their day. Now, I couldn't do that every day, even as, even as cheap as balloons are, it still costs. But when you've got a bunch of people and that's what they decide that they're going to do, it just makes people say, and all of a sudden, your Jesus means so much more to them, especially when you're ministering to the saints who already know him. Because they're the ones sometimes that get the least amount of help. And what I want to warn you, the cheerleaders are the ones that nobody cheers for. So, we have... Timothy, the fearful, Apollos, the unwilling, Stephanus, the devoted or servant, the three amigos, the refreshers, and our last two. It says in 19, now that the churches in Asia greet you, Priscilla and Aquila, I'm sorry, Aquila and Priscilla greet you, heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Interesting as it is, they're listed six times. They're always listed together. We assume they're a married couple, by the way. They had been kicked out of Rome. By the way, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. That's Acts 18.2. They were the ones who, by the way, took their leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. That's Paul did this. This is in Acts 18. They went with him. We read, by the way, that when Apollos again started spouting off, but he wasn't fully complete in his doctrine, this couple pulled him aside. 
We read, by the way, that Paul calls them his fellow workers in, in Romans 16.3. But he says here, the church of Asia greets you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Though they have traveled around all kinds of places, they've made their way to Ephesus where Paul is. And at this point, they've gotten a house there and it becomes the place where the church is. So I would say Aquila and Priscilla, the hospitable. They're people who are quick to let you in their lives. As a couple, at no expense to the couple, they as a couple serve. They as a couple minister. They as a couple pull a Paulus aside. And they as a couple open up their home to have church. Now, understand, I love this, that the word for hospitable in in Scripture, like practicing hospitality, simply means to befriend strangers. I like that. What if we made it our ambition that we were going to let nobody in this church be a stranger? Now, that doesn't mean you're going to click with everyone. That doesn't mean you're going to be kindred with every human being. But what if you were just determined to get everyone's name to start with? What if everyone in the church was determined to do that? Wouldn't that be cool? Do you think, oh, that's the pastor's job? Really? What happens when the church grows to a couple hundred? And you still know four. And people say, oh, the church is cold. Why do you think it would be? This is where it starts, isn't it? Well, you're like, well, I'm not married. I don't have a couple. Well, if you are, all the more reason, because then people get to see what a healthy couple looks like. But if you're not a couple, then just be a Priscilla or Aquila until then. But be hospitable. Are you with me on that? Okay, we're on our last of them. Timothy the fearful. You have Apollos the unwilling. You have Stephanus the devoted servant. You have the three amigos, the refreshers. You have Aquila and Priscilla, the hospitable. And then the last of them, verse 20 through the end of the chapter. All the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Which tells us that he's going through it himself. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then listen to this beautiful last statement. My love be with you. And all in Christ Jesus. The last, Paul the lover. Hey, of all the titles you've given Paul, have you ever given him that one? The pastor, sure. The evangelist, sure. The missionary, sure. Maybe like myself, I call myself a passionary. Maybe, maybe that, the church planner, the apostle, whatever it would be. But listen, 1 Corinthians 4.21, Paul says, Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you may know the love which I have so abundantly for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse, or chapter 11 verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? Oh, God knows I do. 2 Corinthians 12 15. I will verily, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. Could you imagine the broken heart? That's one of the roughest things to read about 2 Corinthians. It's one of the most emotional letters. 
Because you can clearly see Paul is really hurting because of this group of people that he's given his life for. But listen to this statement about Paul loving them. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Oh, that God would make us those kind of lovers. That when people come in, we would very gladly spend and be spent for their souls. Spend means that whatever we have is to bless someone else. Be spent means that even our own bodies and time and energy are also on the table. For their souls means we don't do it to win a friend. We don't do it for them to think we're awesome. We do it for their benefit in Christ. And when we know it's going to benefit them in Christ, we spend and are spent. But then I love the term he uses, gladly. Not reluctantly, but gladly. Not because it's required or because you have a title to do so, but gladly. Not because it's like, oh, no one else is going to do it. I know they're going to ask me and I haven't had time to run and fake like I had to go to the bathroom. But gladly. Gladly, because what I've learned is when you spend for the Lord, He gives it back to you. And when you're spent for the Lord, He gives it back to you. And better yet. And I go, all right, so let me read these through. And let me ask you, which one do you think now, are you anything like me? Do you think you're kind of a recipe of these guys? Not exclusively, but which one do you find yourself the most like? I'll read through the list once and then I'll just see if you're willing to just kind of nod. We'll do it kind of like one of those auctions, you know, so you don't have to throw your hands up. You can just kind of nod. First is Timothy the fearful. Second is Apollos the unwilling. Remember, he won't do anything unless it's convenient. The third was the opposite. Stephanus, the devoted servant, his whole household served, and it seemed like they were glad to serve and for which were to submit to. The, the amigos, you and your buddies are the refreshers, which were told to acknowledge such men. Priscilla and Aquila, the hospitable, they're quick to befriend the stranger, to take them in, love on them, have that church in their house. And finally, Paul, the lover. Okay, so here we are. Ready? Here we go. First. Just with a nod, Timothy the fearful. Okay, I see some of you. It's okay, don't be afraid. <laughs> well, that's a funny thing to say, Leslie. <laughs> Second, Apollos the unwilling. Okay. Okay, well, we want to pray for you guys. Thank you for your honesty. Stephanus the devoted, the servant. Sweet. The amigos, the refreshers. A little less than that. How many of you want to be that? Okay, look, I got more nods. That's what I was, that's what I was hoping for. The hospitable. <laughs> I see that. The lover. Okay. I speak from that one. I'm down on that. Oh, back there. Well, listen. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for me. And I want to pray for this fellowship. Praise God. Isn't it wonderful that we could pray in it when we're not feeling like we're in a state of crisis? We don't feel like, oh, God, save this whole thing. Like it's like we're like on the Titanic and it's just starting to flip up at that moment. And people are going to start flying off in CGI. 
but rather in a moment like this where we're just seeing the Lord do great things and I just want him to do more. But here's the thing. What if what he's waiting for is us to get right, to get ready, so that when the people come in that they would be loved, that they would be befriended by the hospitable, that they would be served by the devoted servants, that they would be refreshed by the refreshers, loved by the lover, and that there would be no apologies in all of that. And that the fearful would be refreshed and encouraged and challenged by the lovers. I find that interesting that what Timothy is being challenged by in the end of it all was the lover. But I understand as I look at all this, I can't help but go to Jesus, who loved me on the cross, who gladly spent and was spent for my soul and yours. Who still to this day, by the power of his Holy Spirit, refreshes me. Who befriended me when I was an alien to the commonwealth of any of his promises. Who is one who has been a devoted servant who came to seek and save and serve, including me. Who was always willing, even at the most inconvenient. How more inconvenient can you get than leaving heaven for earth? And choked back any fear he would have laid it all before the Lord and stepped forth into his ministry fully, dying on a cross for us and raising from the dead to give us new life. Who better to follow? Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for this beautiful text. Thank you for what you've done in this time. And Lord, I thank you for the blessing of being able to follow you. And I thank you that in church, Lord, there are going to be the Timothys. And I pray that we would be on the lookout for those that are fearful. And Lord, I pray that those who need to become Timothys or Timothinas or whatever, Lord, that we would properly do so. But Lord, that we would be willing to find someone that's really going somewhere we want to go and follow and walk with them. Which means that those of us who, Lord, think that we're beyond Timothy or Timothina's stage should be people who are going somewhere so other people could jump along. So, Lord, don't let us ever be still except for in our faith, where we stand fast in our faith, being strong and brave like you call us to. Oh, God, thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray for the Timothys that you would hook them up with the proper Pauls and Paulines to lead, to say, follow me as I follow Christ. That when they say, let everything be done with love, that we could see it in their own lives. That love is what drives them, where they would gladly spend and be spent for other souls. And I pray for every person in there. I pray for the Timothy in each of us that's fearful. Jesus, you've always made clear that the reason why no one should fear that knows you is you always say, Fear not, for I am with you. Lord, may we have such a clear understanding of your presence that it would vanquish all fear. And in that then, Lord, vanquish the fearful Timothy in each of us. So that we would seize upon the calling you've placed on our lives. And be the example you call us to be. And that our growth, our progress would be evident to all. I pray that you would slay the, the, the Apollos in each of us that's so busy trying to be smart that somehow in it we've become unwilling. 
But we're so busy trying to prove things that we can't hear. And Lord, I can see how this is so opposite of the love of a person that's willing to spend and be spent. When everything is only done in convenience. So Lord, please tonight, give us a heart that's willing to to not even weigh out the convenience factor, but to love because you call us to. And Lord, I pray that you would make us devoted servants. That we would be people, Lord, that our whole household would be quick to serve the saints, however and whenever needed. I pray, Lord, for the, uh, the, the friendships, the fellowship that you get, that you grant here. Now, we know how to have fellowship around things of this world. But show us, Lord, how to develop relationships that somehow we could become refreshers. Lord, it would be just such a cool thing if in, by your Holy Spirit you spark in our hearts vision for how to live that out. That we'd grab a couple friends and maybe we'd grab a couple Timothys and seek to refresh others. To look for where the real need is. And not just the sort of visceral surface thing. It would be such a cool thing. Make us refreshers. Make our relationships one that refresh others. And Lord, I pray for the couples, the married couples in our fellowship. The couples that are on their way to marriage in this fellowship. Lord, that there would be this faithfulness to be hospitable. To reach out, Lord, to the strangers. To open up their homes to let others in, to love on them the way you would call them to. But Lord, for each of us, show us how to be hospitable. That we would not sit in the same place every week and not talk to somebody we've never met. But Lord, let there be nobody who comes in here who doesn't get loved on. Speaking of which, Lord, make us someone like Paul in this sense. That our hearts would be wide open. I know Paul would say that in the second Corinthian letter, that his heart was wide open to them. Even though he knew that it, with it being wide open, it was going to get hurt. Lord, don't let us be people with closed hearts, but open hearts that it would gladly spend and be spent for their souls. And Jesus, we just openly acknowledge the only reason we can even come to you with these requests is because we do trust standing fast in that faith. That you died on the cross for our sins, just as scripture promised. You were buried and on the third day rose again, just as scripture promised. And we received you. We say yes to you as, as Lord and Savior. You've saved us from the penalty of our sins. And now you are the Lord of our new life. And that new life is one where we are used to serve others, to bless others, to invest in others. So, Lord, thank you for this beautiful 1 Corinthians letter and how we end it with this beautiful exhortation that with everything we do, let it be done in love. So, Lord, as a Timothy, may we be a Timothy in love. As a Paul, may we be a Paul in love. Lord, as a devoted servant, may we be such in love. As a refresher, may we be so in love. As a hospitable person, may we be so in love. And let this fellowship be one so in love with you that it can help but spend and be spent for each other. In Jesus' name, amen.